Welcome to the Never Settle Podcast. My name is Mel Clark and I am passionate about helping people realise that settling for second best is no longer an option and that everyone deserves to live the life they truly desire. Hello, so today's conversation is with the gorgeous Jordana Frankel. Jordana is a love and confidence coach and she helps people heal from heartbreak. Um, basically by tapping into the magic of archetypes so they can attract the love that they actually deserve. Um, And Jordana is really open and honest in this conversation. She talks about her previous twin flame relationship, which ended um, when he fell in love with someone else. But not only that, he actually still wanted a relationship with her. That um, That was new news to me. Um, And needless to say, it didn't work out. And then she talks about how she now is, and she's gonna be married actually by now. When we did the interview, um, she uh, was preparing to get married. Um, So yeah, and she definitely is now with her twin flame. So she talks about relationships, she talks about the heartbreak, the gut-wrenching upset and heartbreak, and also how she um, brings in psychology into her coaching as well, very much based on the Jungian theories. So yeah, it was a lovely conversation. She's a a lovely, smiley, very warm, spiritual being. Um, I really enjoyed it and I know you guys will too. Well, hello, lovely listeners. Today I have got the gorgeous Jordana Frankel. Uh, Jordana is a love and confidence coach and she helps people heal from heartbreak by tapping into the magic of archetypes to attract the love they deserve. I'm not familiar with that at all, so I'm intrigued intrigued to know what that means. Um, she does one-to-one coaching, group coaching workshops, and she guides her clients, um, soul-aligned clients, should I say, through the shadow work needed to discover the patterns and root fears that stand in the way of their ability to receive epic love. Well, we all want epic love, don't we? Um, and I know you're big into Jungian uh, psychology, so obviously that's where the archetypes. I did psychology at uni, but I don't remember any of it now. Um, and yeah, and you mentioned some of these archetypes include the inner child and the magical child, the warrior, Mother Earth, the mother, the father, and the creator. And so you blend all of that and, and with your very spiritual way and your life experience in terms of being able to help people. Um, in their own journeys now. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've got my internet frozen. So I'm sure there's stuff I've missed off there, but I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear Jordana's story because she just told me before we got on that she's in the middle of wedding preparations right now. So, uh, and we, we should have done this interview months and months ago where things were, life was looking different for Jordana. So it's quite interesting that it's today and um, I, I and she believe that this is divinely inspired and it's as it should be and whatever comes from it comes from it. So Jordana, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Mel. I am so glad to be here with you and to be discussing my story and its evolution because you know, I think culturally and in terms of community, we're all just experiencing these massive changes, these massive shifts, and they're happening really, really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I am party to it as well. <laughs> well, you know, when we booked this, it was it was one story. Uh, it was uh, many stories leading to one story, and now it's all of those stories leading to more stories. <laughs> Well, I, I and the listeners will be intrigued to hear a bit of your backstory. Um, I know you had some uh, some interesting experiences in terms of the love life over the years. And um, so, yeah, wherever you want to start the story um, to give us an insight into the Jordana that was and the Jordana that continues to evolve. Sure, sure. So, you know, I I think that my journey really began when I fell in love with a, uh, a previous partner of mine in 20, gosh, I don't even know, 17, maybe 2016, I think it was. Uh, we were together for two years and they, they were struggling. They really were struggling. They developed some mental health issues um, that, that, you know, after many years of repressing emotions, 
uh, a lot of things came to the surface during our relationship, which is actually what happens. It's very common in relationships that feel safe. Was this your twin flame? You called him your twin flame at the time? At the time, actually, at the time I wasn't fully aware of that term. And then it was only after the relationship unfolded that I started to think, oh, maybe this is this is what, what that person is. But I have, since then have really developed a, a different understanding of twin flames. And now it really feels like somebody who, like I actually have a friend named Lindsay and I actually think she's one of my twin flames uh, because we're just, our journeys are just always reuniting and we're always looking to build something together. And one day I do see us building something together. And I really feel that that twin flame energy is very creative. Mm. Uh, it can be chaotic. <laughs> It can be chaotic, and from that, if you can see through that chaos, then you can, you know, build together. Um, but yeah, so this person, we had a, a very beautiful relationship and a very painful relationship. Uh, you know, I like to we I believe to believe that we treated each other well, but at the end of the day, you know, when somebody is struggling, it, it makes it it makes it it brings in challenges. Mm that uh, you might not know how to support that person. And I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't know how to support them. Uh, they were in, they were farther along in their spiritual and healing journey than I was. Right. And they had more to dive through. So it was a very, it was very asymmetric because I was like, oh, you know, when you're happy, when you, when you feel good, I'll feel good. Like, I don't have any, I, I'll do my work eventually. It's not that big of a deal, you know, but I didn't know the ways in which my shadow uh, was contributing to, uh, you know, just uh, the unfolding of our story and how I perceived their experiences. Uh, and then eventually when, when our relationship ended uh and the ending was as fascinating as <laughs> the journey itself uh, and i won't get too much into it but uh they did fall in love with somebody else right who had a similar uh, facial structure to me and early on in their relationship they actually even said wow she looks a lot like you and this was like very triggering for me you know because a lot of my issues were oh you know age beauty uh right. i'm I want to be unique. I want to be like the only person here. You've fallen in love with somebody who looks a little bit like me, a little bit like me. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, well, I, I looked at her picture and I couldn't even feel, you know, those, all those feelings, my mother and her, my father uh, separated because of cheating and, you know, he fell in love with somebody. So this was all echoing my own mm. family's journey. And when this arose, I was being called to heal family wounds. My, my mother's wounds that she passed on to me when, you know, I was a child and I was hearing their story unfold as a kid and, and being called to show up for my mother. So uh, mm. that's interesting. Yeah. That's really yeah. resonated for me. Go mm. on. Well, at the time we were discussing being poly, you know, cause they had fallen in love with somebody else and they wanted to maybe be poly. The person who they had fallen in love with, what is poly? <laughs> Polyamory is a, uh, it's a relationship model. Uh, just like we have uh, monogamy where you you are, falling in love with and uh, staying in relationship with only one person, polyamory creates a framework for you to explore other relationships at varying degrees of intimacy and sexuality, depending on the uh, comfort and boundaries and communications that you have with your other partners. Uh, and this so, is- So they asked you to be part of the relationship? Yeah, well, they not the other woman didn't ask me to be part of her relationship, but my uh, my ex at the time, my partner at the time wanted to be partners with both of us. Right. Because she was Polly. Oh, OK. Right. Right. Uh, and we actually had started out our relationship with that framework in mind. And then when some unhealed trauma came to the surface for them, they asked to be monogamous. They wanted to just be in a safe container for the two of us uh, while they were doing their healing work. And so I was very comfortable with that. I thought that was a good move. 
uh, just to keep the energy tight. <clears throat> and, uh, and so when it came up again, it, it wasn't a shock, uh, but it was also not the, not the way you typically want to enter into polyamorous dynamics, you know, when with the, that it, it's, that's not a, that's not a good way to go into it. And so this is where I think, you know, the never settle podcast, this is like, here we get to the moment. I, I had to ask myself this really painful question, which is, do I want to be with this person and maybe accept that the way we got to this polyamory conversation was not, didn't feel as respectful to the dynamic that we had and the, 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 the safety that we had as I would have wanted, or do I step away and, uh, and lose the person who I thought, um, was, you know, the love of my life, who mm -hmm. this was the, they, they are, they're charismatic. They are to this day. I still have so much admiration and, uh, appreciation for who they are and what they bring to this world. Cause I, I have never met anybody like them. Um, they are totally unique and uh, a truly a good person, truly yeah. they're a good person. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. But you mentioned that that would, that was an initial conversation that you both had as a couple anyway. So you were, you were open to that idea at some point. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, but, I had actually, oh, go ahead. So you, have you done that before? Have you been in that kind of relationship before? Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, explored uh, open relationships, I would say, with one or two other partners. Uh, one partner it worked out very well with. I think we had good communication. Um, we, we did it great. It was, uh, you know, they would go out on dates. <clears throat> I tend to be more monogamous in, by nature. And so they would go out on dates and I would go out on dates too, but I never really felt like I wanted to be in love with two people at one time, or I wanted to be giving my energy in multiple directions. It was sort of like, okay, well, they're doing it. So I should do it. And it's like, I, that didn't, <laughs> it was a fun, you know, but it wasn't a long lasting, uh, mm. it, it wouldn't work long-term for me. Okay. So, so you basically got to a point where um, it didn't feel right. You, you, you obviously felt hurt in terms of the fact that he'd found this other woman anyway and fallen in love. Um, mm -hmm. If it was just somebody that he liked, maybe it would have been different, but he loved right. her. So, so what happened next? Well, this is where everything changed. <laughs> this, is, this is where the story got turned on its head in a really beautiful, painful way. But without it, you know, I, I wouldn't be here. So... Uh, this is where all the synchronicities started to unfold. And I, this is where I had my awakening. You know, those memes where you see like what you think awakening is going to look like and what it actually looks like. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> lying in bed with the covers over their head and they're like in tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've been there. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and, and I just, I, I prayed for maybe the first time in my life. And I said, if there's, anything out there that is bigger than, you know, the sum of the parts. Uh, if there's any divine guidance now, now would be a great time. Like I'm open, I'm an open yeah. vessel here. Come, come help the sister out. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> and I had this like really beautiful, and I was in so much pain in that moment. Like I was crying my eyes out. I felt like my insides were just like being, you know, scooped out with a spoon. It's like, I, I'm a writer, so forgive the gory details. <laughs> um, but I just was, I was in so much pain. I had this beautiful vision of, of lights and I, I almost can't even describe it. It was like celestial and it was, um, it was planetary. And for the next 10 minutes I felt as though someone had like shaved the edge off of my pain it wasn't that it was gone I was still crying but it was like some it was like something that just like helped you out with your groceries or something you know you're just like not carrying quite as much mm. and 
And that was all I needed. I was like, it was bearable. It became bearable. And I think I understood that as these synchronicities unfolded after that point, uh, I, I came, I felt more connected to the world in a way that I hadn't before. I felt protected. And I was, I never had this feeling of divine protection before. I never had the feeling that, that something greater was like wanting, that there was a benevolent universe. Are you not spiritual then? Because you come across very spiritual or were you not back then? I was, I was not, uh, wow. I was not, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really was kind of a, a, a 180, a, a very quick shift. Really, wow, <laughs> yeah, because as soon as I saw you um, on your website, I was like, you are the epitome of spirituality, that's, that's the vision you get, that's the feeling you get, you know? Well, it, you know, I, I think that so many things arose in that time frame. You know, at the time I, I was debating going to California and one of my very close friends lives in California. And they said, you know, you've been wanting to do this for a very long time. It's either now or never. Mm. And I was like, okay. I reached out to my employers and lo and behold, they had one opening for my position uh, at a location that was a mile away from where my friend was living at the time. Oh, wow. And my friend connected me with uh, another artist community that was you know, up two blocks away from a stu an Ashtanga studio, which is the type of yoga that I do. <laughs> uh, and so all of these little tiny things, it was like, okay, okay. Like the, the, the breadcrumbs are all there. Just, you gotta take the leap. Like now yeah. it's the, now's the time. Wow. Was it, was it San Francisco? Cause I saw you put the Bay area. Yeah. Cause I've got family that live in Pacifica. So yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, it was, uh, I moved to Oakland. I moved to Berkeley actually, technically in my tiny greenhouse on wheels. It's a uh, it, it named Rosie. You might see me on the highway. Well, probably not cause you're not here, but Americans will maybe see me on the highway driving a tiny green house called uh, the wandering Rose. Nice. Yeah, so I drove my tiny house to California and I uh, started a whole new journey. <laughs> so you so you carried on working for the company in a new location. So then what happened? Well, I spent about a year or two there. Uh, that is actually where I met my fiance. <laughs> I went to a hot spring. So part of my self-care, I actually decided to go celibate for a year. Well, yeah. it probably was about six months or something like that. But, uh, and it was a really wonderful way to weed out the suitors who were just simply not on, not on my level. And that doesn't mean that they're lower or higher. We're just yeah. we're on the same level. It's like not, no, no shame wherever you are, no judgment. Um, but I think I deep down want to be, wanted to be with somebody who was comfortable with being with me as a friend. They saw something in me and they said, you know what, even if we're not going to be together intimately, I want to know who you are. We, I would love to be your friend. And that could then pave the way for a future relationship when I felt ready to, you know, take that next step. And a lot of the people who I met were not interested in that. I'm looking for somebody to be with right now. Uh, thanks. No, thanks. And they didn't, you know, that friendship level wasn't interesting to them and that's okay. So, you know, I was able to part ways and then it, it created a higher bar as well, because sometimes I would meet somebody and I would feel some spark, but it wasn't like enough that I wanted to take that next step into deeper physical intimacy. And so it was this really wonderful gateway that I was able to sort of put up <laughs> when I wanted and, and then take down when I wanted. And sure enough, you know, at the time, my partner, this is more synchronicities here, here they, <laughs> they abound, but we met at a hot spring, which I went to every couple of weeks because that was part of my self-care. It was very important for me to connect with this like warm rebirthing water is kind of how I felt at the time, I felt like I was connecting with the mother archetype, entering into the womb waters. I was, it was a very ritual experience for me. I would go to a place called Harbin, Harbin Hot Springs, and 
I would just be quiet. I wouldn't really talk to anybody. I didn't like to give out too much energy to strangers. It was just me, me healing me. <laughs> and uh, somebody came into the parking lot and they saw that I had this tiny green house <laughs> on wheels and that inspired this this person to talk to me and it I've turned just, I've just got to ask you about the tiny green house um, yeah, sure. I, I assumed that the tiny green house would stay wherever you're living it would stay and you would have a separate car for that but is that not the case great question it's actually on a car it is it is a car it is a tiny green house on a pickup truck <laughs> okay yeah. So it goes wherever I go. If I, if I'm like going to a party, like I have a place to sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess the pots and pans aren't flying around. I guess it's all designed quite well. It's all designed quite well. You know, there are like bungee cords that keep right, okay. <laughs> well, it definitely makes sure I turn off the stove, the mini stove when I'm driving, uh, blow out all the candles. <laughs> Okay, so sorry, I interrupted. So he saw you in the car park. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we both had this love for science fiction. And I said, oh, you know, you're, he's like, he said to me that he was going back home to be, live with his family for a little while while he was building up a business with his brother. I said, oh, that's fascinating. Where are you? Where in New Jersey? I'm from New Jersey. Oh, you never know it. You never know it. It's a tiny little, it's a small town. You Small. Okay, try me. Let's just play the game. He said Cliffside Park, and that is exactly where my dad lives. My father and his parents live five minutes away from each other in New Jersey. So wow. it, it was just a nice, it was just a, wow, what a wild coincidence. And then it yeah. turned out the next day he was going to visit his friend in Santa Cruz. I was also going to visit my friend in Santa Cruz. And so we met up the next day in Santa Cruz. Now, time passed. He returned to... Uh, he, he went home to New Jersey and I continued living in California. At this point, I was dating somebody else. Um, but then something very, very painful, ha tragic happened. My sister passed while she was sick and, you know, it was, she had and, thank you. And it, it, it was, we sus suspected, I don't know, I wasn't being told a lot by my family. This was, um, nobody really knew anything and I think everybody was just kind of hoping for the best but you know so the news wasn't really getting to me but I could tell that it was serious so I uh, just decided to leave leave California just because nobody was giving me <laughs> I didn't know anything I was like okay better to just go home and figure it out when I get there uh, and so I, I lived with my dad and while I was living with my dad, I was, you know, able to see this person who I had met, you know, six months earlier at Harbin in California. Uh, and, you know, he, over the next couple of weeks, my sister's condition got worse and worse. And he was just right there for me every step of the way, every step of the way he was like, showing up, he would bring me to the hospice, he would, and he, you know, he never he was, if I needed to have a cry, if I needed to be alone, if I didn't want to talk, if I did want to talk, he was just like, I got you. He was like, so, such a stable force. Uh, and, uh, and then she passed and that was February 27th of 2020. And then COVID. And then COVID. So for the next, uh, you know, six months or something, <laughs> uh, I was in a, in, you know, a couple months, I was in a, in a pretty deep grieving process. And I was also quarantined <laughs> with, uh, I had a quarantine buddy as well. And, and he continued to be um, a light. We were really a light for each other during a very, very scary time. Uh, for everybody, we, know, we didn't know, nobody knew what was going on. It was, <clears throat> and both of our, you know, my parent, my dad is, is older. His parents are not quite as old as my dad, but, <laughs> you know, living with parents, you want to take care of them. So, and both of our parents were just lovely. They both like my, got along great periodically. We would see each other and, you know, cause Boris and I were 
traveling to each other's homes through COVID. So basically, and our parents were so stoked that we had met each other that they were oh, like, please, yeah. just like go, <laughs> like you can, you know, travel between houses. It's okay. <laughs> they were just happy that we were, you know, in love. And, uh, and yeah, and then a couple year later, we got a house, we moved from the house, moved to Florida, he proposed. Yeah, <laughs> the story continues. <laughs> wow. So what, how come um, Florida? That's a good question. So my dad, at a certain point, he, he decided to move from New Jersey. And uh, he, we have a family house in, in Fort Lauderdale that was passed down from my grandparents to their two sons, my father and his brother. So, you know my dad just decided to move there since it's mostly empty and periodically he leaves so that his brother and um, my aunt can have use of the apartment. Okay. And, yeah. So we just went to Florida uh, to, to also, you know, when you think about COVID continuing and, you know, we were indoors for such a long time. It was a real, it was a huge relief to be able to go and spend some time on a beach uh you know in the sun well it's way more relaxed out in florida florida as well isn't it way more relaxed absolutely absolutely which i think was really interesting you know going culturally moving from a place like new jersey where you know certain there are certain norms and then you move to florida and there are different norms and you just see how differently people are treating each other based on those norms i think was a really uh interesting perspective to have as well mm. so well congratulations when is the big day september 10 <laughs> <laughs> um and is it a traditional church wedding or is it on the beach or well so this is a this is a really interesting question as well um i'm jewish my partner is jewish as well and <clears throat> both of our families his family is Russian and Polish and my family is Russian or sorry uh, Polish and German so we both have Polish roots um, and we both have these Jewish roots as well so but neither of us are especially religious <laughs> um, but you know we both really want to honor you know especially since his family emigrated from Russia in, in large part because of religious persecution. I mean, you know, Jews are just not, at the time, were not very, treated very well there. And so they came to America in the hopes of being able to have their religion, the religious freedom. And they sent my partner to uh, a yeshiva <laughs> uh, as well. And, you know, I went to Hebrew school. So we're going to have the wedding at a hotel in Pennsylvania in the Poconos uh, called the Glenwood Hotel uh, run by a lovely woman named Catalina. And it, there's the ceremony is going to be on this little brook with a water wheel behind it. Oh, nice. And we've been talking about the, 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 the chupa. Uh, and I just learned that you're supposed to put a talis, which is sort of like a prayer shawl, a men's prayer shawl. And another synchronicity, just a few months ago in Florida, I was going through my family's things, like just looking through the drawers, and I found some very old talis, <laughs> plural. Um, I found some very old ones that belonged to my grandfather, maybe even belonged to his father. And so, you know, right before the wedding, I find these, like these beautiful gifts um, to place over the chuppah. Oh, you know, nice. so it really... I think that once you begin on this divine path and once you start to open your eyes and, and just really ask for those experiences, accept them, be, be joyful to receive them and not question them mm. and not question whether or not they're real mm. uh, or if you're just imagining things or if it's just magical thinking. Um, once you're open to that, then you can start to see them in more places and it really brings your gratitude to another level, which just, it kind of is, it, it, it snowballs in a beautiful way. Mm. You have more gratitude. You see yeah. more signs. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. 
So, so the work that you do then, so you're a love um, relationship confidence coach mm-hmm. and you talk about the archetypes. When did all that start? Is that, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't always do that. I'm, I'm assuming you somehow you got into that. So what did, what does that look like? Yeah. So as I was healing myself after that, that relationship, I developed some techniques that were very personal to me and, and my, my healing uh, that after I came out the other end uh, and really started to sort of build my life in new directions, uh, I, I understood that I really wanted to share those techniques that had worked for me. And so most of what I teach is, is just, it's tools that worked for me when I was deep in it. Uh, and I don't claim that they work for everybody. <clears throat> you know, I've, I've worked with people and they've been beautiful healing tools. Uh, and I've also worked with people who haven't been interested in implementing them because they just didn't tug at them the way they mm. did, the way they did for me. And that's okay. Uh, you know, then there are different tools for, for those people. So while I was working on healing myself and, and just not just from the relationship, but from a lot of things that I had ignored as a child or that I wasn't, uh, you know, our, our own individual shadows from, from youth and how we, how we grew up. Uh, Can you explain what you mean by shadows? Yeah. So the shadow is a Jungian, a Jungian term that basically it just means all that you choose to ignore, repress, deny about your identity. It's not necessarily what you, it's, it is, many of these things are fear-based but it's not that like, it's not as simple as uh, I don't want to be uh, rude. Deep down, I'm a re- rude person. Sometimes I see that coming up as like, you know, if you're in your shadow is rudeness. If you are resisting being a rude person, it's like, no, it's really more about the fear of perception and what happens. What, what are you afraid of happening? Uh if you are rude, if you are not a people pleaser, if you make somebody upset, if you act for yourself. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, does that kind of explain what it is? Yeah, so it's it, it sort of feels a bit like as well repressed emotions, you know, we mm-hmm. repress a lot, don't we? Or some of us more than others um, through lifetime, through whatever experiences we've had. And some people are, naturally able to deal with that better than others other people just stuff it away um Mm. so what you're saying is it creates these shadows if you like and those shadows are almost hanging over you to to be a constant reminder not to not to be that or do that yeah and and what happens when we when we're resisting certain aspects of ourselves is it actually brings them more charge. Uh, Mm. They have more emotion and you become more reactive. So, you know, I I can, I feel like I could give an example. I was wearing a bathing suit and I, I, I really liked it. And my partner said something, uh, it wasn't mean or anything like that. It was, but I interpreted it. I, because of how my, my, because of an insecurity, a fear that I had that he was saying something, it colored my ability to hear his words mm. uh, with, with clarity. It put a lens over his words and mm. a different sheen on them. And I interpreted them differently, which then uh, made the situation more charged because there was a charge on, the, in, on my end in that, uh, in that way. And so it's really important to explore these and to understand them and to work through them. Because again, just like, you know, with my partner and I, it was a relatively small thing, but if you are single and if you're wanting to fall in love with somebody and we have these, uh, these repressed fears, these, uh, these insecurities, these, these, yeah, repressed fears, I think is a very good way to discuss them. You know, you can, 
misunderstand how somebody is speaking to you and it closes down communication with people who you might be able to have really wonderful relationships with were we actually healing and working through those insecurities rather than you know just running away and saying oh you meant something terrible about that and now i'm i'm putting up a boundary i don't want to talk to you anymore you mm. know so okay so um before I, I asked you about that, I was asking you how you sort of got into the whole coaching and, and you talked about you created these tools, which I'm fascinated by because, you know, I've been in the depths of despair at times. And yes, I know what my go-to is. My go-to is always countryside, getting on the bike, you know, things to feel better or get me out into the nature and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I do meditate and I've done that for years, but in terms of creating my own tools, that's a bit of an, uh, uh, an art form or a, or a mystery to me. So how did you even get to that point? Well, uh, music, music. So for me, uh, the, the ritual that emerged that was most healing for me involved a candle every night. Um, I came to be very connected with, uh, you know, the Virgin de Guadalupe and, and the, you know, the ritual, the, the, the mother, the, the Virgin mother, uh, who, as even as a Jew, I found that iconography to be very powerful and healing. So I would have my, you know, my bodega candle of the Virgin de Guadalupe, and I would light the candle. And then I would had some music that I loved uh, that I would just play and learn the words to, uh, some which and basically included the, the uh, beautiful chorus albums. Beautiful chorus is an acapella, most somewhat acapella group. They have some other songs that are not acapella, but uh, their music is just so uplifting, so choral, so healing. And I learned all the words, and I would go through each song I'd sing the song to the candle and I would channel these archetypes uh whenever I needed them uh you know for example the mother the mother is a big one at that especially since I was connecting with the you know the, the the virgin mother and I was able to using sound using lullaby using the 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 activating the vagus nerve by singing I was able to really bring my nervous system into a much more relaxed state. And in terms of the chakras, I was able to open those chakras, open, open those energy pathways and really release a lot of emotion, a lot of pain um, that had been stagnant. And in doing so, I was able to really take these giant leaps forward in my healing um, because I had a time frame, I knew every night I was going to have this prayer time. I was going to have this meditation, this ritual, this release. And so every day I was able to not put aside my emotions or repress them, but I was able to say to them, I, I, I see you. I understand that you're there. I'm not ignoring you. You will have your moment tonight. And every night, those, those emotions would understand that it was like, maybe there's a time that's not the time. <laughs> and they knew that they were going to have a moment to come back. And then it wasn't like I would just think about something and force myself to cry about it. I would just start this ritual. I would put on, I would light the candle. I would start by humming. Humming is great at activating the vagus nerve. And I would assume certain channeling poses such as like with the mother, it's, uh, you know, you, you can put your arms in a position like you're holding a child. <clears throat> and then you can, you know, sometimes I would do something like this, where I'm sort of cupping my hands right by my navel, which is something si similar to a, you know, a maternal position, but it's also like a very stable meditative position. Uh, and <clears throat> I would imagine myself as the mother, I would imagine myself in my arms and I would, I would be singing to myself as well, uh, sort of rewiring those, those feelings of not being safe or not feeling secure, uh, you know, wanting that maternal comfort, that unconditional love, 
that mm-hmm. unconditional presence and trying to offer that to myself. So that was purely driven by how you felt an intuition by the sounds of it, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. And what, what resonated for you, which, which like you say, doesn't resonate for everybody, but, and, and the vagus nerve you keep mentioning, what's that, where's that? The vagus nerve starts at the base of the skull and it's called the wandering nerve and it, it travels, it actually enervates, uh, I want to say all of the major organs, it enervates the lungs, the intestines, um, the heart, it, 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 it is probably the most crucial, uh, it is the gateway to the, the physical gateway to calming the nervous system. If you can activate the nervous system, it will bring your, your, your nervous system in, into a, a deeper state of calm. And you can do that by doing things like humming, uh, singing, creating uh, you know, a lot of just vocalizing, uh, easy, simple vocalizations. You don't need to be a singer, just, well, it's like, yeah, it's like sound healing, isn't it? It's like the vibration, the frequency. It's that whole frequency based where, you know, obviously in terms of what your frequency is in terms of the universe, wherever you're at, you're going to attract whatever's on that same frequency. And we're all aspiring to be higher and higher. Um, so we just attract good things. Um, <laughs> that's not life, is it? Um <laughs> But yeah, so it sounds very similar. So, I mean, I've got a couple of singing bowls, which I sometimes get out. I, I do a bit of Reiki healing as well. And um, so it's interesting because I am a singer and I'm the humming, you know, I've done the chanting, I've done the humming, but not really fully understood the, the benefit of what that's actually doing for my internal. So thank you for that. Yeah, that's exactly it. It, it kicks, it, it, brings you into a more peaceful, it actually brings you to a more peaceful space. And what's amazing about it is that, you know, you can, we have this medicine within our voices that is primed for our healing, right? So this is also how my work has evolved. And now I've been doing vocal coaching with people, not necessarily to, uh, make people better singers, although that is sort of a byproduct of doing the work, but really using the voice to release emotions. And one of the the beautiful things about sound healing with the voice is that it really, it allows you to, it's primed for you. It is your medicine. It is, it is, it is perfectly tuned to what you need when you need it. If you can tap into your body and maybe feel like some discomfort in your in any of your chakras, right? So maybe you just tune into your body for a moment and be like, where do I feel weird? Where does it feel tense? Where does it feel like it's, it's just, it needs a little bit of release. And you can actually play with your voice, you know, just the register and just like go from low to high and feel where, where in your voice you're connecting most with that bodily sensation in your body. And then you can continue holding that note and see how that note corresponds to that feeling in the body. And nine out of 10 times, once you do this practice enough, you continue with the humming, you will feel that emotional sensation relax. You'll feel it soothe itself. Uh, And that is, that's it. That's healing that you created that you have that medicine in your mouth, in your, your vocal cords. It's like perfect for you. That's amazing. Um, I, I subscribed to a couple of guys called um, a guy in Alon Ferdman, also uh, Jewish. Um, and they, they've been on a whole personal development journey for 20 odd years and they're brothers. And um, more recently, I think really in the last sort of five years, but more obvious to us in the last couple of years, it's more about the energy and very much like that without the humming, but you can put your awareness as to where that is, it's always in the solar plexus for me. Um, And it's about being with it and just being aware of it and not efforting and not doing anything, not trying to make anything happen. Mm -hmm. And that energy, because the body is so intelligent, the body is, 
you know, they very often talk about, you know, when you cut yourself, the, well, the body heals itself, whether it takes two days, five days, whatever, but the body has that capability, that, that intelligence, call it what you will. And, and it's the same if you're patient enough with that awareness in your body and, and like 99.999999% of the population are not because we're all so busy. Um, it's a, it, yeah, it's allowing it to, it just, dis, you know, you can literally feel it sort of go through your hips, down your legs. And I've been very impatient and only in this last week, um, and I've known about this from over a year, uh, no, over two years, um, only in this last week, I actually felt it move into my legs. Like it used to just be stuck in my solar plexus and I never gave myself time to let it, you know. Wonderful. Yeah, but now that you're talking the music, um, I love that because that's more tangible as well because you've got that humming and that humming is resonating on where wherever it's resonating. But to me, that feels like, and maybe I'm looking for a quick fix here and I'll, I'll soon figure that one out, but to me it feels like that would be more like I suppose yeah I am I am looking for a quick fix because I feel like that's me being able to control the outcome quicker or, or better or whatever but I still like the idea of it and you know I think that sometimes we don't need to overthink why we're called to certain modalities you know uh I've certainly fallen prey to the, let me learn everything about everything, because maybe one of those things is going to be yeah. the thing that, 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 and to a certain degree, uh, they all were, <laughs> you know, so to a certain degree, some things were more effective for me than others. And if I hadn't walked each of those paths, I wouldn't have uh, found the things that are especially useful and pertinent to my healing and my mm. ability to support others so maybe we're looking for a quick fix uh, and maybe it would do to 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 sink our teeth into one particular uh, style very very profoundly and with uh, with devotion and I think it's also okay to follow our our follow our nose wherever it takes us mm. <laughs> yeah you know, totally. if at the end of the day it'll bring us back to where we need to be anyway well yeah exactly it's all you know it's the the duality isn't it you do that and then you realize oh actually I was in the right place in the first place um right. but we're exactly where we need to be in exactly the right timing aren't we you know that it's so easy and I'm terrible for this in terms of I should have been so much further than I am you know what I mean I had all of these big dreams, big aspirations, very ambitious as a younger woman. Um, and that's all changed in the last few years. The spirituality has become center of my life as opposed to being in the spiritual closet, which I was for quite a few years. Um, but yeah, and it's just, I, I was having a conversation with a very good friend this morning who's amazing with stuff like this. And it was a good reminder of being patient and stop efforting. You know, we all effort all the time, hustle, 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 feel like I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. I'm not being smart enough, you know, and all these. And that's not me talking. That's the, the beliefs, the thoughts, the ego, the everything right. else. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it, I love how we're having this conversation, Mel, because I, I absolutely had a similar thought just yesterday. And I this thought comes to me periodically, but I. I was sitting outside and I just realized how many things I wanted in that moment, you know, especially with all this wedding preparation, it's like, okay, I want the flowers. I want the DJ, I want the floor. And like, I'm just holding all of these wants. I also want to get my book published. Um, I want to book some more workshops. I want, you know, <laughs> maybe I want a client once this, uh, another, a new client, once this wedding is over <laughs> right I want to get back in because I'm not taking clients right now um, but I, I will again once uh, once I'm back from the honeymoon and I'm holding all of these wants and they're overwhelming they're mm. overwhelming and they're all connected to you know things that are distracting me from the present moment right now sitting on the porch <laughs> watching a really beautiful sunset uh, and and being with wherever whatever is around me so I actually in that moment I did a little uh, mental exercise and I and I sort of took everything that I wanted 
And I imagined it funneling its energy back into this crystal, um, a big, a big crystal. And I, I have a, a dark smoky quartz in my tiny greenhouse. And so that's kind of what I, where I imagine it going. I just imagine all of that energy coming back in and funneling back into this crystal. I hold it in my hand. I feel the weight of it in my hand. And for the time being, my mind is just free of all of the things that I'm wanting. And when I just want to free it, I can just hold it in my hand, hold the crystal in my hand and just pretend that all of the things that I want are in my hands. Um, and I can, you know, put all that back in my head when I, when I need to do that. <laughs> when I don't need to do it, I can take it out. Ah, oh, do you know what? I'm going to do that. I love that. <laughs> I've, got crystal, I've got crystals dotted all over the place. So uh, that is a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So in terms of, um, you obviously, you know, turned your life experience into your, into your work, into your purpose. When did that happen and who is it that you tend to work with? Is there a typical person? Sure. So I graduated from a Jungian life coaching, love and life coach, love life and spirituality coaching program during COVID. It was okay. when we were in quarantine. Uh, and after that, I started to work with all sorts of different people. So uh, I work now I'm re I've really started to focus on people who are interested in exploring their voices. So typically I have I have worked with men before, but most of my clients tend to be women. They tend to be between 30 and 45, uh, 30, 50. Uh, and I have found that those who are who feel a longing to sing and to discover rediscover their joy in singing those tend to be my my favorite the clients who derive the most from my work because I've just felt so called to this musical component uh, as a way of really bringing that nervous system into a relaxed state that the people who are interested in implementing those ritual strategies, those songs, um, and making up their own songs. I love making up songs with my clients. You know, they're very specific to what they need. Mm. <clears throat> we'll come up with chants together. We'll do drumming together. Uh, so people who have that musical inclination and are interested in healing old wounds uh, around using the voice, around, <clears throat> you know, scarcity and, and feeling afraid in the world, feeling unsafe, uh, but they're specifically interested in, in expressing those emotions through the voice. Those, are, those tend to be the people I work with these days. Um, yeah. And the love aspect is a byproduct of it, you know, because we, so much stands in the way of us reaching out and grasping the things that we want to do, taste, smell when we want to do them. And, and it's in those places when we're grasping the, those, when we're out in the world being ourselves, not necessarily, uh, you know, looking for something, but when we're in the experience of being in the world that we meet the people who are going to love us because they see us in our glory. They see us loving our life. And they say, oh man, that's somebody who looks like they're having a great time. I want to know that person. And we want to get ourselves into that state, into the state where we can really be immersed in the world and thrive in reality, the reality that we have so that other people can witness that and then want to step into that bubble. Hmm. Sounds very joyous, I have to say. Um, <laughs> so if, if anyone listening resonates with what, you know, you're talking about, where would they find you? Yeah, you can find me. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on house of archetypes. That's H O U S E of archetypes. And, uh, you can also find me at, on via email, jordana.frankel at gmail.com. Uh, you could find me on my website, jordanafrankel.org, all those places. Cool. Um, obviously, I'll put them in the show notes as well. And you mentioned a book earlier. So what's the book? Oh, so I'm also a young adult novelist. <laughs> I write books for teens. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm currently work working on a uh, 
on a book that I started during quarantine about a teenage girl who is goth, whose grandmother dies and leaves behind a book of proverbs to live by. And my main character joins a coven in, in her school and she starts to learn about witchcraft. And she starts to wonder if magic is real. And as she goes through and reads these proverbs by her grandma, they kind of take her into a world of synchronicities and meaning. Uh, and, and she starts to believe that maybe magic is real. But there's, you know, this is, there's a danger here too, right? Because is it magic or is it magical thinking? All magic is, is it's action plus that, that, uh, that vibrational output. And so she's on this learning journey to understand whether or not, what, what, what is the right mind frame to take on when you are pursuing these things that you want. Uh, and, and that's, that's the book that I'm currently working on right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm about close to done, close to done. It sounds amazing. Um, and I'd be interested in reading that. I love all witchy things and all the rest of it. Um, oh, love it. Yeah. So did that literally just come out of your imagination? What were you, in, how were you inspired to, to write that? Yeah, I, I had this idea for a book of Proverbs that inform, you know, a character's life for a really long time. But then as COVID was raging and, and people, you know, and I started hearing stories about and the numbers, data about how teen suicide was mm. rising and, and the, really the teens were suffering, kids were suffering. I, I felt that that new knowledge, that information kind of changed who that character was going to be. I had a different perspective of who that character was and my own journey into witchcraft and magic, you know, informed it as well. So it all just sort of came together. <laughs> Oh, it sounds wonderful. You'll have to um, drop me a note when you've published it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I plan on sending it to my agent in a couple of a month, month or two. So I'll let you cool. know. Cool. Um, well, it's been an absolute delight, Jordana. I knew it would be. Um, all the best with the wedding. I'm sure it's going to be magical. Thank and, you so uh, much. And where, where are you <laughs> heading off on your honeymoon? We haven't even decided yet. Yeah. <laughs> we like Thailand, maybe Vietnam, maybe Hawaii, maybe Tulum. We like beaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I'm sure it'll be amazing wherever you end up. Um, thank thank you so much. And thank you so much. Oh, I, I was, a, I always finish and I was just about to forget. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> anything you feel called to share before we say goodbye? Oh, beautiful. <clears throat> I truly believe that the voice is a magical tool that we have all been given. Whether or not we are, you know, we feel happy with what comes out of it, <laughs> uh, you know, I feel that it's a portal. It's a portal for us to transform our bodies, uh, transform our minds, transform every, it's so transformative. And I genuinely, I, I, if you have a favorite song from childhood or a, a, you know, some kind of song that just you love, that makes you feel safe, learn the words, learn the words. This is like one of the best things you can do for yourself. You can sit in the car. If you're feeling stressed, you can just start singing that song and instantly your body will go back into that safe state. And it's just so easy. It's easy and it's free. <laughs> Amazing. Love that. And uh, I instantly thought about her song. Um, it was it was one of my dad's favorites. Uh, when Jasmine goes, I can't remember who the band were, but um, I used to play it and play it and play it and play it and play it. Um, and I know a lot of the words. I don't know all of the words. So you've given me a challenge there. Um, I love that. I love that. And it's been an absolute joy to meet you and talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're a delight. This was such a pleasure. <laughs> Take care. You too. Bye. If you enjoyed that conversation or were inspired in any way, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best way for other people to find my podcast and be inspired themselves.
Well, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and perhaps the story resonated with your own life or reminded you that perhaps you're also settling for second best. I've been helping people from a young age and realising that there is more to life than what they are currently settling for. My desire is to give others the love to confidently and respectfully know their value so that they feel joy and are empowered to make a fulfilling difference. If that sounds good to you and you'd like to reach out and connect, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash Mel Clark Coaching. That's Clark with an E. Or instagram.com forward slash Mel Clark Coaching. Enjoy your day. <laughs>